No one enters a relationship planning separation or divorce, but with the average Australian marriage lasting only 12 years and one in three marriages ending in divorce, it's something we need to talk about. I felt so devastated and so shocked. I felt like I'd been hit by a bus. The most important thing for me was to get professional counselling and I don't see how anybody can go through a separation and divorce without getting that professional help. There was no rule that said there had to be a catastrophic event before you were allowed to get divorced from your husband. From Mamma Mia, you're listening to The Split, the adult's guide to separation and divorce. My name is Mandy Nolan and I've been through separation and divorce a few times. And over the next eight weeks, I'm going to be holding your hand through what can be the hardest and loneliest time of your life. I'll be speaking to financial experts, mediators, lawyers, and women who've been through it to give you the tools you need to get you through to the other side. The only thing that I would say is, you know, it it gets better and just just to keep going. And there will come a time when you can actually laugh about it. So why am I here? I'm kind of accidentally an informal, untrained expert at marriage and divorce because I seem to have done it a bit. I'm actually, well, it's embarrassing, my third husband. I'm still a romantic at heart. It's just that I haven't always made great choices for longevity. But that's not a bad thing, you know. Like I now have great relationships with my ex-husbands and I kind of feel proud about that because I have five children from three different marriages. That's a lot of different names on my Medicare card. You should see it. Like I've, it looks like a list of people, you know, that I've met somewhere independently because none of the last names match up. It is that feeling of, too, like when you go through that, like my first husband, that was hard. I was young. I was 28. And I probably chose a bit of a bad boy. We had two kids. We separated. And then I meet, you know... My next, who was to be my next husband, he was fantastic. He really took on my children. We had a wonderful eight years together. But then that ended, sadly, you know, in divorce. And that's probably the main relationship I'll talk about because that's really the relationship that I had thought was going to be my forever, which wasn't. And now I'm in my next forever relationship. I've had a lot of forevers. (laughs) And coming through all of that, I think you sort of realise that there's many ways to do this, that there isn't just one way. And by having conversations, you actually hear how other people have done it. But on the show today, how do you know if a relationship's over? There were, I guess, a lot of signs sort of that were pointing towards the point that things weren't going very well, but the actual split itself was a bit of a shock. I was at work. And I had lunch with a friend and I had a, had a glass of wine with lunch and I was feeling kind of buzzy and it was summer and everything was fine. And I came home and I pulled into the driveway and he was packing the car. And I was like, okay, this is odd. Um, and, <laughs> and we had, at the time, we had two children. Uh, they were five and six. And it's interesting. He, he had a, you know how they say cat people should only marry cat people? He had a cat even before he met me and um, I was always a dog person that should have been a giveaway right from the start but he was packing the cat into the car and that really made me sort of think twice because he had said I've had that cat longer than you and uh, she came into my life first and um, you know he made it pretty clear that she (laughs) she was the priority Um, 
anyway, so the, the cats in the, in the cat carrier getting put in the boot of the car. I'm like, are you, are you going somewhere? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm like, um, okay. And I'm conscious of the fact that I've got two like little kids in the in the house and I'm trying to like hold it together. I'm going, what? Hey, what? I can tell you all this with a straight face now. I can, at the time, it was pretty devastating. And it was upsetting, but I think more than anything, I felt like I had failed them, that I hadn't managed to hold the family together. Someone once said to me, about leaving a relationship, you'll go when the pain of staying becomes greater than the pain of leaving. I kind of didn't get that at first because I went, what does that actually mean? It's such a weird feeling to be in a relationship and think, I'm so unhappy, I know this isn't working for me, but the thought of leaving is is not a solution either. That feels insurmountable to even work out how you're going to do that. Then there comes a tipping point, this little tipping point where you go, I can't stay, I have to make a change. And that's what happened for me. It was the little things around the house. Like I could tell my husband had this real, he was, he was really annoyed by me. And this is my, my second husband. Everything I did, you could see was, you know, because you know when you're actually not having the conversations you should be having, all the antagonisms come out in small things. So He'd get up in the morning and he'd go to make himself a cup of tea and I'd be sitting the other end of the kitchen where I used to have my desk and I'd be writing away. And he'd go, people who use the kettle and don't fill it up again. And I'm like, we were living with three children. It's not like people were coming in. It wasn't like some sort of show house. I wasn't having people coming through and showing them the rooms. I mean, when he said people, I knew he meant me. I went, oh, my God, we're talking about each other in the third person. So what I used to do in the end, like I used to actually occasionally get up and actually empty the kettle out just to put it there to annoy him (laughs) because you fall into this awful antagonism, which I have to admit I was part of as well. So for me, knowing where we'd got to had become really confusing. I'd actually started drinking far too much because I was really unhappy. Like, And I, I knew I was drinking too much when I was on the phone to a girlfriend and then I woke up. I went, oh, my goodness, I've, I've done some drink dialing. I've spoken for a really long time. And I didn't remember hanging up. And I said, what was I saying? She goes, well, you were talking for a long time, about two hours. And then when I said something, you fell asleep. <laughs> I went, that is so embarrassing. But I realised on reflection what I was doing was I wasn't facing things that were happening for me emotionally and how unhappy we'd been because we'd been such a great couple. And in a sense... We were a great couple. We got married later into our relationship, about five years in. And when I noticed that we were on the rocks, it was only about six months in. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have to give back all the presents. You know, I'm going to have to push on a bit harder here because it's really embarrassing getting divorced in the first 12 months. Like, I think it's not written, but people feel like if you're getting married, we're going to turn up, take a weekend off buy a ridiculous dress or something and go to your event, you should at least have a 12-month guarantee, um, maybe even a warranty up to about three years. So I felt the sense of responsibility to make the relationship work, not just for us and for the kids, but because for all these other people that felt like they became stakeholders in our relationship. And having, you know, the pressure of bringing up three children, two of them from mine from a previous relationship, it had just taken its toll. So I stopped drinking. I had to stop covering up the more complex emotions I was having and really think about 
what I wanted and how I was going to move forward. I was actually really terrified. I was actually terrified of that process. But I thought, well, it doesn't have to happen straight away. I'll just take that first step and I'll I'll go for clarity. I'll stop numbing myself out. And it kind of worked. It went for about two years that I stopped drinking. And by the end of that period, I knew exactly what I needed to do. And I knew our relationship was finished because I was finished. There comes that point in yourself where you go, I can't go back. And we were hurting each other. We weren't connecting. We'd lost our lovely friendship, had had disappeared. There was just arguing, you know, it was always you did this and I did this and you did this. And, you know, I just wanted to call it quits. I just just wanted to be happy, I think. And I, I felt a bit selfish about that because I knew that me wanting to be happy was going to cause everybody else a lot of unhappiness. So my ex-husband and I met overseas. We were quite young. Whirlwind Romance ended up getting pregnant and got married and lived overseas for some time. We moved back to Australia in 2009. And as the years went by, I realised that although... I had a deep love and affection for my ex-husband. I wasn't in love with him and he was not the guy for me. Now, we had our ups and downs, as everybody does, a few little family dramas, but nothing explosive. Uh, What I came to realise after reading Glennon Doyle's book, uh, the Love Warrior book, was that there was no rule that said there had to be a catastrophic event before you were allowed to get divorced from your husband. And once I realised that... The most loving thing that I could do for myself and for him was to speak our absolute truth about it and try to work through that in a very friendly manner and just acknowledge for both of us that we didn't want to be married to each other anymore. Are you just going through a bad patch or is this it? To help us understand the inner workings of a relationship, I'm joined by Melissa Ferrari, a psychotherapist and counsellor who helps hundreds of couples every month. Melissa, what does a happy, functional relationship look like? Okay, so if we were to think about the model that I use, I I use an approach called PACT, which was created by Dr. Stan Tacken, and he wrote the book Wired for Love. And he talks about what's called secure functioning. And what secure functioning is, meaning that you two function as a secure couple, it's things like that you have each other's back. It's things like if I know that I've distressed you, that I fix it, that I that if, if I've upset you, that I make things right again. Secure functioning couples don't make any threats to the relationship. They don't say things like, I'm leaving, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore. They don't say things like that. They will attend to their partner when there has been something happen, that they make sure that they respond, which I know all of these things aren't easy to do, mm. but they are all very important things because a good relationship is one that feels safe and secure. So being that kind of person that really does say, you know, I've, I've, I've got your back, if we're out publicly, I'll never throw you under the bus. I'll always take care of you, whether it's private or publicly. I won't talk about you to others. 
I'll make sure you're the person that I tell if something good or significant happens in my life. You won't be the second, third or fourth person. You know, so those kind of things where you're each other's go-to person and that you two are a couple that puts the relationship first, that is always going to be a more secure partnership. Oh, that sounds sounds great. I have I have a cousin who's got a marriage like that. And in thirty years, I've never heard either of them say one negative thing about each other. Like, it's quite remarkable because I, I went, wow, it, it is. that's a hard is, role model is. to live up to. <laughs> <laughs> and because if you can do that, it just stops that experience of you know maybe saying something about your partner. You know, we we kind of throw each other under the bus all the time without really knowing it. So just kind of being aware of not doing that because you don't want your partner to, you know, feel shame or or feel upset because you're just having a conversation with someone. So how do you know in the opposite then, Melissa, when the relationship is over? Like where, what are the signs when you've got with a couple and you go, this, this is it, they're going to have to stop? Okay, unless a relationship is incredibly abusive, you know, I kind of let couples come to their own place about it. But if, if you'd ask me in general, not even only in my office, but just in general, where I can see that a couple's not going to fare well or are probably going to split up would be things like if the criticism is really heavy, mm. where you are seeing those real, you know, looks of contempt or where one is really looking down on the other, that kind of stuff usually indicates that these two aren't going to last. If I hear people talking more singular about their life rather than it being a partnership, you know, some people will really kind of have the conversation like they are the only person in this relationship. That's a really good indication that people are starting to grow apart, to use that word. And things like where a couple aren't good with engaging at each other or, or looking at each other in, in a loving kind of way, if they're actually looking at each other and there's quite a coldness or an abruptness or a kind of not giving your partner the time of day, they're the kind of things that really are pointing to that area more of contempt and that really, really is a big red flag. I guess most people when they get to the end of the relationship or it's one of the signs is that they, I guess they're not having sex most of the time or is that just a yeah, no, I think, I think you know, sex is such a, an important part of having a relationship, you know, that physical contact, any, any kind of thing that's eye to eye or skin to skin is really going to help a couple keep that bond going. So if sex has been, you know, people aren't having sex and or, or one one is wanting it more than the other. I mean, those kind of things can be worked through. But if, if a couple's really grown apart in a in a place where they're not wanting to have sex with each other or are avoiding each other, that's really, really not a good sign because, you know, while there are some couples that can decide it's not an important part of a relationship, you know, my observations, and I've been doing this for over 20 years now, that is that sex is an important part of a relationship. And um, if, if it's not happening, it does have to be addressed. I think you're a bit nicer to your partner when you've been having sex. 
Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's because you're getting, you know, all of those doses of those positive hormones going Mm. through, you know, you're getting all of that. And so that's really helping you. You've got the oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone. And um, that's the hormone that's so prevalent there in the beginning when, when you are going through that bonding experience. And so you're actually, when you're feeling that way, you kind of go, oh, yeah, I remember you. I remember you. I, re- I remember our great times together in the beginning. And so it re- reinforces that, that bond. And it's why you actually do feel more in love. So what would you say to someone who is actually thinking of getting a divorce? What would your advice be for them? What to consider? Okay, well, I think when you are in that place that you are actually considering leaving, it's really a good idea to go and talk to a therapist, especially one that does specialise in relationships, and just talk about what's actually going on for you in relation to your partner and do a little bit of work around um, what we do in relationship is we can sometimes bring relationships from the past. It might be a relationship with with a parent. It might be a relationship that we've had with a previous partner. And some, and we bring what's called projections to relationships where we can start to project old stuff onto our current partner. So I think really working through a therapy where you really do understand whether it's possible that some of that's going on. And if you've got a partner that's going to help you out with it and they can come into therapy and work with you on it. But I, I, I guess my my ad, advice or my thoughts on when you are really thinking of a leaving, leaving a relationship, there's something about really examining it rather than just leaving because, of course, it's easy to leave a relationship. But I think if you can really go away knowing that you've examined it, you've explored it, and your decision is still to leave, I think you're able to leave more confidently and intact Mm -hmm. knowing that you gave it a good shot. It all happened about five years ago, and I just had three kids really in the space of four years. And at that point, I remember noticing a distance from my partner, my husband, and a lot more selfish behaviour going on in terms of spending and um, time away from the house, but still telling myself he would never do that. He's better than that. He'd never do. He's not that sort of person. And I was in a denial. Absolutely. I can see that without a doubt. I had blinkers on. I thought, that won't happen to me. And then it happened. He he sat me down one night and told me that was it. He was out. And I, I remember thinking... I can change his mind if I only do this, if I only do that. And that period of time lasted a few weeks where I, um, I guess in a way I was pleading with with him to reconsider because of the position I would be left in, given that I think any any mother of young kids is going to feel quite vulnerable. I don't think I'd be alone in saying that. And I think I'm still emotional in talking about it because I remember myself from that time and uh, long story short, after a, a period of realising that he wasn't going to change his mind, I just took action for myself because really no one else was going to. When you're going through separation or divorce, you need all the help you can get, which is why over the next eight weeks, I'm going to be joined by Mamma Mia writer Nama Winston. Nama is a former lawyer and she's been happily divorced for the past decade and she's going to be helping me answer your questions that you've sent into the show. 
Hi guys, um, I'm currently in the midst of separating from my husband and I'm trying to work through everything that I need to get in order and I was wondering, do I need to get a new will now? So Nama, in terms of the will, should I just get a will kit? Is that enough just to even tide me over until I can really think about it? Because often who I'm leaving stuff to mm-hmm. is the last thing I'm thinking of when I don't think I've even got any stuff left. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but you know what you will be thinking of. You, you, or probably you'll be thinking. Well, I know who I don't want to leave yeah. my stuff to, and that might be your former partner. So to protect yourself quickly, easily, cheaply in that situation is you can go to Australia Post and pick up a legal Australian legal will kit, and all it will ask you is who are the people mm-hmm. or person that you want to leave everything to. Who is the person that you want to trust to make sure that those people get those things? And that's it. And then it's a, it's a document that even Australia Post can witness for you. So it's very inexpensive. I think it's only, you know, $40, $50. And it's really quick and easy. It's just filling out a form. What are the other things probably that, you know, that you don't want to plan for? Are we talking about other than your death? Were we looking at what, job loss? Yeah, when you first get separated, that's something that, when you're looking at your monthly expenses and stuff, I guess you have to plan for that. A lot of women in this situation, they've been at home raising children, so they're actually not even thinking about job loss. They're thinking about what it's going to, you know, that they'll need to get a job. So I think that's, you know, something that a lot of women, a lot of the people that I know who've been through this have had to had to go and do to be able to meet their monthly expenses and maintain a similar sort of lifestyle. But there's also a document called a power of attorney and power of guardianship. And those appoint people to be able to make medical and legal decisions for you when you're not able to. So a lot of us pl- might do a will and that's planning for death, that's planning for worst case scenario, but that we don't have any sort of instructions for who's going to turn off our life support. Now, these are all really intense. Th- that is much more intense than a will, to be perfectly honest. That stuff you need really good legal advice on and you need to think about very carefully. It's hard to think 10 years ahead, though, isn't it? Like to think five to 10 years ahead because you're really thinking the next day, the next week, the next month. So what I say is what would you say if somebody came to you, if a friend came to you and said that? gave them that information, what would you tell them? Because we're much better at being objective than thinking about things personally. And that's actually my rule for life as well. Whenever there's a tricky situation and you think, I'm not sure what to do, think about what would somebody advise me? And that's the best advice because do you know what? All we've got at the end of the day is ourselves. We're Mm. the only person who's guaranteed to always have our own best interests at heart and to always back ourselves. So... Ultimately, that's what you've got to do. If you have a question you want answered by Nama, email podcast at mamamia.com.au or ask us in our closed Facebook group. Just search The Split in Facebook. Next week on The Split, how do you get everything in order for when you decide to leave? And what happens when it's not your choice that the relationship ended? It was a period of six weeks between when I found out that my then husband was cheating on me before it was over and he left. The Split is produced by Eliza Ratliff for Mamma Mia. I'm Mandy Nolan, and if you want more information about separation, head to mamamia.com.au.